What's up? What's up? What is up? Welcome to another edition of the TriStar Takedown with Mitch Davis and Jake Nichols. I'm Jake Nichols here with my guy, Mitch Davis. We've got a lot to cover this week. Not a whole lot on the slate just because it wasn't a very exciting week, but still we are going to give you all the insight on everything from Memphis to Bristol, everything in between football season on the horizon here coming up shortly and a lot else to cover as far but anyway um mitch i'll go ahead and give it to you what is going on my man man is it too early to quote john ward it is football time in tennessee because dadgummit i am beyond ready for football season and i am so dadgum ready to get this thing kicked off against the old miss rebels on august 31st go tigers go man you sound like philip fulmer almost using dadgum as a verb <laughs> I mean, I am trying to adapt to the uh, East Tennessee lingo for all my fans up there in Knoxville area. So, dadgummit, let's do this thing. I, okay, fans is a very, very relative term because based on your treatment of Tennessee lately, I don't know <laughs> if you would call them fans, but you, you can you can use whatever word you want. I mean, just like we say in, Memphis, in the 901, Memphis versus everybody, baby. Memphis versus everybody, so... I mean, if they want to come out swinging, let's uh, let's let's come out swinging because Memphis is on top of the state already. Man, I saw that thing that CBS Sports put out that put Memphis as the top team in the state, <laughs> and uh, man, they they are coming out swinging early this year. I think that um, you know, that puts more fuel to the fire as far as really trying to stage another matchup between Memphis and Tennessee on and uh, football. Let us play. Let's just like let us play in Nissan Stadium or is it LP Field or Nissan Stadium now where the Tennessee Titans play. I think it's Nissan Stadium. Nissan let Stadium, us, yeah. yeah, Nissan Stadium. It's stupid. I call it LP Field my whole life, and then they change it. But let us play, man. I mean, Memphis is one of the best teams in, well, the best team in the state, and one of the best teams in the region. So why not let Memphis and Tennessee play? Like everybody wants it, just like Texas and Texas A and M. Everybody wants it. Our state legislators, instead of worrying about if we're going to make mar- medical marijuana legal, we need to worry about making Tennessee and Memphis play in literally every sport. There you go. I mean, they're like, and and that's the thing. And I know a lot of people will hit me up about that, but like, we're too worried about making stuff legalized here in Tennessee and this and that. Like, when well, we actually need the real, you know, the hone in on the real problems of making these two great universities play each other. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous that Tennessee and Memphis don't play each other on a regular basis. Man, you highlighted it earlier off the record, but 150 years of college football, that's obviously hard to, to even comprehend that that's been around for that long, that it's been that long. Rutgers played the very first college football game, but it has, and man, College football unites people like, or football in general, unites people like nothing else. So, hey, yeah, I'm with you. Let's worry about that. And, you know, all the political stuff aside, let's let's focus on the real um, unification here within the country and within the region, and that is football. And speaking so, of the 150 years thing and football and all that stuff, I've actually got a fun project, and I've kind of included you and got some pictures and videos from you. But I'm putting together a montage of pictures, videos, stories, memories of everybody from all the way up at Maine Bears, University of Maine Bears, all the way out west to the UCLA and in between 
Memphis, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, MTSU, whoever. I'm trying to put together a montage of celebration of 150 years of college football. And I'm going to tell you right now, the stuff that I've received so far, whether that be the running through the tee at Neyland Stadium or the Tiger Walk or, you know, Wisconsin jump around tradition, the videos and pictures I've received so far will put chills up and down your back. Man, college football really is the greatest. And I have a bucket list, as I'm sure you do, of stadiums that I have yet to visit. And one of those has to be, for me, Penn State, Beaver Stadium. I know that's one that I've always wanted to go to, um, especially, obviously, whenever Joe Paul is there. But regardless of that, just tr- the tradition that they have. And, you know, that's that's what it's about, man. It's You know, we're here in SEC country, but it's about appreciation of the sport of college football from any region. You know, there are great traditions all over the country of, you know, teams and schools celebrating the tradition of college football and 150 years in their own way. And that's really, really cool to see. Which, by the way, 150 years, man, you and I, we will never see 150 years. But the thing about it is you go back and you talk about the history, you talk about the traditions. Something that I've learned by putting this thing together, and I know it's not going to be done for another week and a half or so, but something I've learned is the fact that we all have this common bond. Yeah, we might not like your team, like Memphis doesn't like Tennessee, Tennessee doesn't like Memphis, that kind of thing, but we have that bond, man, and and football has brought us together. But speaking of football, let's talk about Tennessee. There was an article in the Tennessee where Jeremy Pruitt said Tennessee does not have an offensive line. Is that something that's concerning to you or – is that something that's probably going to be worked out? I think that the most concerning thing to me right now is that from what I've seen lately, the most recent thing that I've come across is that whenever he said that not only do they not have an offensive line, but they've narrowed it down to the top 10 or 11 players, not the top four or five, not even the top six or seven, but the top 10 or 11. Man, if you have to choose between 10 or 11 players to try to pick your starting offensive line, that is alarming because you've got a first and second team right there. So I think that's a very big concern. I think that the health of Trey Smith is a big concern right now. We've seen him at practice. We've seen him, you know, go through a few drills, but still very closely monitored by doctors. But I think that the offensive line right now still is a big question. I think that, you know, they've got certain starters in mind, um, but that they have not been laid out. You know, Jeremy Pruitt said the other day that Jarrett Garantano is the only true starter so far on this team. The only one that is basically set in stone um, leading up to August 31st against Georgia State. And I think that that was very comforting to Garantano. You know, he said in an interview that it's a first to be able to hear that, especially after last year going into last season with Keller Chris kind of riding his coattails going into last season. But. I think that at every other position with there being so many questions that you have to wonder not only with the offensive line, but with every other position, what the heck is going on? Because we've got glimpses, we've gotten glimpses of solid players in Nigel Warrior at safety. We've gotten glimpses of, you know, Ty Chandler, Eric Gray at running back and Jeremy Banks. We've gotten glimpses of Daniel Batuli. Pavaris Crouch at linebacker with even maybe a little Henry Toe Toe sprinkled in there. But 
there is no set in stone position other than Jarrett Garantano. So I think there are questions at every position right now. And I think the only way we're going to find out is whenever they release the uh, depth chart right before the first game, or maybe even just on game day, whenever JG trots out with that first team offense. Now, speaking of Tennessee and talking about kind of, does these question marks kind of raise your banner and say, hey, maybe we're not going to get to five or six wins this year? Or are you still set on track? I think you said six wins, I think, was the was the reasonable expectation. Is that still the case, or is that change for you now that these question marks have arrived? I'm still set at that, honestly, because from, from what I've seen at practice, I think I'm still set at uh, six or seven wins, just because I think that even though there are questions, I think that there's going to be a positive product put on the field. I think that there is enough experience or at least enough talent at most of those positions to get them over that hump. But again, the line going to be a question, but I do think that we're going to see a lot of improvement. I know that Will Friend's been working with them a lot, but Jim Chaney also in the past few practices has really been focused on that line. You know, in the last practice I was at, the media, um, they actually pulled us off the offensive line because whenever you walk out on Tennessee's practice field, the offensive line is right there uh, as the closest one to um, to the media, to what we get to see. So, you know, uh, film in the past, videos, pictures, has been a, of a lot of the offensive line just because they're the closest up and, you know, you can get the best video quality being that close. But um, I guess they were feeling um, a little proud of what, ha- what have you. But um, because of that, we got to go over and see running backs the other day. And so watching that, I know that from what I saw, I know Eric Gray had um, a drop whenever they were running through just some basic drills, had a had a fumble. But I still think that he is one to look out for, and I think that Ty Chandler is really going to be a workhorse, and Jeremy Banks are really a couple to count on. But, yeah, I, I will say still six or seven wins just because I think that no matter who you put out there right now, for this team that there's enough talent there and there's enough um, of a solid base that you're going to end up getting a decent product, even if it's not, you know, um, nine or 10 wins. You know, Jake, sticking with Tennessee, and this is going to be kind of more of on a lighter note. Tennessee has said that they're going to sell alcohol, beer and wine at Neyland Stadium. And the first game being, ironically enough, against the Mormons in Brigham Young at BYU. What are your thoughts? I think that um, it's very ironic, obviously. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think I saw something the other day. I don't know if you came across it, but there are a couple BYU fans on Twitter that are going to wear royal blue shirts with the BYU logo, the circle with the Y that have, excuse me, an apostrophe A-L-L attached. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be y'all with the BYU logo. So I think that's pretty funny, first of all. But um, then also going off of an interview that I saw of a couple BYU players that were, I don't know if you'd call it talking trash or what, but it was obviously, you know, kind of their version of trash talk. But I, I think it's very ironic that it's going to be the BYU game and that you're going to have you know, probably some uh, some very excited, we'll say, Tennessee fans, and then um, some, some very um, 
very neutral and reserved BYU fans on the other side. So I think that putting those two together, it's, it's going to be a fun atmosphere. You know, and the thing about BYU, they played Memphis in the, I think it was the Miami Boga Raton Bowl a couple of years back. BYU, man, you got to be careful with those Mormons. They, uh, they're dirty. <laughs> they, uh, they came out swinging against the Tigers a couple of years back. When they, uh, when they played in that bowl game, there was a massive all-out brawl a little bit happening between the Memphis sidelines and the BYU sidelines. started when a BYU player had stepped on, I forgot the Memphis player, might have even been Daryl Henderson, but he stepped on the Memphis player and basically all hell broke loose between the two teams. So you got to be careful with BYU, and you add in the alcohol uh, content level, man. We, we, we could have a lot of fun at Neyland Stadium on September 7th. That's very true. <laughs> I mean, which, by the way, shout out to BYU. They uh, they always schedule. I know they played uh, Mississippi State last year. They all, they're always scheduling Power 5 teams. And I consider, you know, the American Athletic being a Power 5 conference. So when I say Power 5, Power 6. Power 6 conference teams. you got to give a shout out to BYU. Always wanting to play Power 6 conference uh, opponents. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, that shows a lot from – um, from their coaches and just from their willingness to really be able to put themselves out there and say, you know, hey, we'll take on anybody, whoever you got, bring them and, you know, let's let's go at it. So let's talk a little bit of Vanderbilt. I know you and I are both trying to find some Vanderbilt people to talk to about their scrimmages and this and that. I think next week we're going to have somebody at least on the ground there in Nashville to talk to or to get some information from. What have you heard out of Nashville? I mean, I haven't heard much. I know Derek Mason's been happy with the quarterback play. Uh, I mean, they're replacing Kyle Schumer. They got Riley Neal. I mean, what are you hearing out of Nashville? Man, you talk about Riley Neal, but another one that could really play a big part is Deuce Wallace coming off a suspension last year. um, I think that he could end up having a big year as well. Obviously, a lot of people have focused on Neal coming in out of Ball State, but I think that Deuce Wallace as well could play a big part in that Vanderbilt offense. But what I'm really looking for after the departure of Kyle Shermer is to find some consistency. Can they get that footing that they were able to have under Kyle Shermer and in such an experienced quarterback and be able to find that again and, you know, extend that through this season? Because they they had some, you know, solid outings last season and played well generally. But I'm just interested to see if they can extend that this season without Shermer's leadership. I think that's going to be a big question. And I think that that's something that Derek Mason really has to focus on with his two main quarterbacks is, you know, finding that leader and finding that next person that's going to be in line to really lead that Vanderbilt offense and really um, try to get them over the hump once more. I think one of those guys to watch out for on the offensive side of the ball would be uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. I think at the running back position, I think he's probably going to be that leader of that team. And, of course, having the graduate, you know, experience with Riley Neal will help as well. But I think having Keyshawn Vaughn will help Vanderbilt tremendously heading into the season. And for a season that possibly is going to be one of these – I mean, you when you open up with Georgia, go to Purdue, and then have a bye week in the LSU, I mean, that's a pretty dadgum tough three games to start the season – and then right. you've got Northern Illinois. You go to Oxford to play Ole Miss. And then the schedule kind of gets manageable from there. But if you're Vanderbilt, you can win, let's just say, one out of the three or even two out of the three. 
you got to be feeling good about your season. But in order for them to do that, I think Keyshawn, Keyshawn Vaughn on the offensive side has got to step up. And I and I want to go on to the defensive side and look at Allen George at that kind of that middle linebacker position. I think that he's got to step up on the defensive side and fill the shoes that they've lost last season. I mean, they've got five returning back on defense, seven back on offense. And when you've got those kind of numbers, you kind of expect a little bit of turnover on defense but about the same type of productivity out of the offense. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that there are some big questions on the defensive line as well for Vanderbilt. There are a few familiar faces with Drew Birchmeyer, Cameron Tidd, but a couple of newcomers in Eddie Zinn Turner, uh, Brandon Maddox, Davion Davis, well, three of those that are going to be really critical to changing the fortunes for that Vanderbilt defensive line. And, you know, in the SEC, it's all about pass rush. You know, can you get on the quarterback and can you disrupt his progressions and really damage any offense that you play? And Vanderbilt's had trouble with that in the past, you know, just because the offensive lines in the SEC, or at least the ones that they're facing, are so big and so hard to handle. But I think that that's something that Derek Mason, you know, obviously he's a defensive-minded coach, that he's something that that's something that he's really going to have to focus on is that defensive line because there are several questions. But, you know, there are big departures also. Like you said, at linebacker, Jordan Griffin and Josh Smith, a couple of really big names that um, that are departing from the Commodores. But I don't think they've really been able to find a true – um, leader at that position. So I think that's going to be really essential, like you were saying. I think um, another one besides what you mentioned, Dimitri Moore, I think, is going to be really big. He's second on the team with 84 tackles last season. So that's definitely one that I'm looking at. But, you know, moving on even from defense, I think that we're really going to have to look at the specialists as well because, you know, we've seen it from Trevor Daniel at Tennessee in the past. Whenever he got that punt against Georgia – that landed just oh so perfectly specialists can make the difference in a game whenever it's really necessary Riley Gway last year really struggled um, for the Commodores at place kicker he only made 30 13 out of 22 field goals three misses inside 30 yards you've got to be able to improve that in the SEC because those defenses you know with the with the inexperience coming in at quarterback for Vanderbilt and you know even if Kavon uh, Tyson gets going at running back. I think that it's going to be very tough for them to get inside the 30 sometimes. So if he's able to connect on some more of those kicks from long range, it can really help them get just, you know, a few more points here and there toward a win whenever they weren't able to last season just because he struggled so much. Is it me or is it, or do you always feel kind of like, uh, Vanderbilt always can produce a great quarterback. I mean, Jay Cutler, you look at Kyle Schumer last year. Vanderbilt's always got these guys, kind of like Kentucky does on the defensive side on Josh Allen last year. Vanderbilt's always got these players that overachieve on the right. offensive side. And that's like that's when I look at Vanderbilt, I'm going, okay, here's the thing. This team can flat out play. Like, right. that's, this is not the Vanderbilt of old where you're going to come into Vanderbilt Stadium and beat them by 100 points. No, this right. is the Vanderbilt. If you don't actually show up, they're going to punch you in the mouth, and right. Riley Neal, and you go on the offensive side, Riley Neal and Keyshawn Vaughn, those two guys, you go to the wide receiver court. You got C.J. Bowler and then Lipscomb back there at the wide receiver's court. You've got two wide receivers there, plus a running back, plus a quarterback. Vanderbilt could probably put up enough points to where the defense can kind of sit back and say, hey, you know what, if we give up 
maybe 21, 28 points a game, you know, then we'll be in a better position. Right. Um, I think that, you know, obviously that offense is key. But, I mean, come on. Whenever you play offenses like Alabama and even, heck, even Ole Miss, I know there are some questions at quarterback for them. And I know that, obviously, their game against Memphis, Memphis is probably going to pull it out. But any team you play in the SEC, you have to be prepared for a good offense now as well as a talented defense because we've got teams like Alabama and the team that Vanderbilt starts off with this season, Georgia. You know, Jake Fromm at quarterback, how are – you know, you can't just sit back on your haunches either and just say, okay, offense, you know, take the lead and get us home because – Jake Fromm can pass his way to 200 yards, and Georgia's offense can run all over the Vanderbilt defense if they're not careful. Let's switch sides. We've talked about the East Tennessee team and Rocky Top. We've talked about the Vanderbilt Commodores and the 615. Let's talk about the Memphis Tigers, the 901 Tigers, the best team in the state of Tennessee. Let's talk about them. What is your right, take? Let's not get ahead of ourselves there, Mitchell. Oh, I mean, CBS Sports, they've already said that we're the best teams in the state. So, I mean, why not chirp a little bit about it? Because here's the thing. Ole Miss has been chirping for the last two months about how Memphis is their little brother, that they're going to come to the Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium on Saturday the 31st and just completely crush Memphis and this and that. I'm going to tell you right now, just like Vanderbilt, this isn't your mama's Memphis team. This Memphis team is favored in every single one of their games for a reason. And, I mean, Mitch, you're preaching to the choir here. Last season's Memphis team was not, you know, your mom's Memphis team. Or I guess I guess back then it would be Memphis State, back when they were kind of the, the basement of any conference they were in. But, you know, even last season set up expectations for this season to be a good one too. Obviously, um, losing several key players. But still, I think that Memphis fans have a reason to be really, really optimistic. You know, I've heard you talk about the possibility of another 10-win season, and I think that could be very realistic for this team based on the schedule they've got at hand. And the thing about Memphis is I know a lot of people want to break down Brady White and say, oh, well, mechanically he's not the best quarterback, or oh, Brady White this, Brady White that. Dude, I'm going to tell you right now, after going to the scrimmage at Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium last Saturday, I'm going to tell you, Brady White has come a long way from where he was last year. I mean, right. this quarterback... You know, with Mackenzie Milton, you know, suffered that horrific injury at UCF. Brady White, without a doubt, is the best quarterback in the AAC and might even be one of the best quarterbacks in the country right now because of his threat to go for that threat to go underneath. Now, his long ball, he struggles a little bit. He's gotten a lot better under Mike Norvell's offense. But his short ball attack with DeMonte Coxie, and you got uh, Patrick Taylor and John Pop Williams. Uh, you get those guys to throw to underneath, man. It, it, it's something that a lot of teams are going to have a lot of trouble with. And you, you go on the defensive side for the Tigers. I mean, the Tigers return eight starters on defense. And when you look at the Tigers' defense, guys like T.J. Carter jump out to you. John Perry Jr. jump out to you. Uh, Bryce Huff. You know, O'Brien Goodson Jr. These guys right here are going to have the best team or the, have the best defense in the AAC and also possibly can put up some of the best defensive numbers in, uh, in the country. Defense, man, this Memphis team overall, 
under Mike Norvell, they've only gone really up. I know last year they only finished eight and six compared to the ten and three season uh, two years ago. But this Memphis team, they might have lost Daryl Henderson, they might have lost a couple other guys, but this Memphis team, man, is something that when when you got around UCF last year, you got around UCF the year before when they played the Tigers. You kind of had that feeling that this was a special team. And that's the kind of feeling you have around Memphis. And, you know, I know a lot of Memphis fans will say the same. I mean, just last week at the scrimmage, we had 1,800 people at Liberty Bolt Memorial Stadium. When was the last time Memphis had 1,800 for a scrimmage? Yeah, I probably wasn't even, or we weren't even alive probably whenever the last time that happened. I don't think you or I were even thought of last time Memphis had 1,800 for a <laughs> scrimmage when it was 100 and. I think the heat index is like 105 degrees or something, something asinine and something insane. So let's take the switch over to high school football. You're our high school football guy. Let's get a couple predictions out of you. We're going to do uh, 6A in the private schools in the state of Tennessee, and maybe even if you've got a couple more insider things for uh, the teams in Knoxville area. Who's your state champion out of 6A? Jake Nichols. Which, uh, which website do you write for for high school sports, my guy? I am with uh, your high school sports. We're a company based out of Sevierville, Tennessee. So we are doing high school football all across the southeast, um, but primarily focused on the volunteer state. So any and all info on high school football within this great state, I got you covered. Dude, this great state. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about six A, Whitehaven, Maryville. And a couple of the Knoxville schools, who really jumps out to you and is a threat to win the state championship? Man, I am going Whitehaven right now. Um, I know really? that they, yeah, I know that they were the runner-up to Oakland last year. Um, you know, got blown out, but I think they've probably got a got a chip on their shoulder coming into this season, and they've got a talented player, a lot of talented players coming back. Um, a few mentioned on the Knoxville News Sentinels top 25 players to watch in East Tennessee or in, or in Tennessee as a whole, excuse me. So I'm, I'm going Whitehaven right now. I think that, you know, Maryville will do well. And I think that Derek Hunt has a lot in his arsenal right now, but I'm going to go Whitehaven for the full uh, state championship. I like Whitehaven. Who do you, who do you have them beating? Um, I am going to go with Maryville, actually. I think that it'll end up being uh, Whitehaven against the Rebels for the state title. Shout out to my little cousin, Mason Shelton, outside linebacker for Maryville. Is it Maryville or Maryville? I forgot well, how you guys pronounce it. I was honestly saying it bad. It's it's more Maryville, not, Maryville. not Maryville, like I was saying. So if you, if you want to say it like a true um, East Tennessean, baby, Tennessean, then, <laughs> then Maryville. Maryville. I can't even say it right because, I mean, down here in Memphis, we actually talk and pronounce all of our syllables down here. So. Let's talk a little. Yeah, okay. uh, you keep thinking that. <laughs> I mean, hey, by the way, I mean everybody. We got voted like the best city in Memphis. I mean, not the best, the best city in the state, not the best city in Memphis. What am I thinking? The best city in the state. Like we got the yeah, barbecue. That, that by the a, Mitch, I will give you that. Memphis is the best city in Memphis. Good job. Well, right, I, I mean, right, right. Okay. By the way, hey, speaking of Memphis, I'm going to Central Barbecue tonight. Actually, by the time this podcast, it'll be this weekend. I'm going to Central Barbecue this weekend. What do you want me to have for you while I'm at Central Barbecue? And I'm going to Muddy's Bake Shop as well. Dude, you <laughs> freaking suck. Well, because you never come down yeah. here. Like, that's the thing. Like, you never – and then when you come down here, you go to you go to plays and you go to things downtown and you don't, like, want to hang out with me. So, 
I mean, but that doesn't mean that you have to go to my two favorite places and then brag about it. I mean, I'll send you pictures. Like, I'm gonna get the uh, at Central Barbecue. I'm gonna get the barbecue plate with the. You get two sides, but always get a third because I have to get an extra side of macaroni. Like that macaroni to die for, hands down. Now I might get in trouble here because I'm I I love both of them, but Commissary and Central, two best macaronis in, in the in the city of Memphis. Like. They put uh, commissary puts barbecue in their macaroni. Central's got that little season that goes on top with the, the crusted macaroni on. It's good, man. Of course, the banana pudding can't go wrong with the banana pudding. And then Muddy's Bake Shop. You have you have a favorite? What is it, dude? The Oreo pudding. I've never had Oreo pudding. I've had cupcakes now. When they WGC FedEx Saint Jude invitation because we got to get it technical. Somebody corrected us last week because we, I didn't say FedEx Saint Jude invitation. So, World Golf Championship FedEx St. Jude invitation. Try to say that 10 times in a row. So, they provided the media with Muddy's Cupcakes, okay? And they had this white chocolate Oreo type deal where the icing was like in the middle of the cupcake. And I'm going to tell you right now, that jump was like the best thing ever. Like, it was hands down. Like, like I went back. I know this is going to make me sound like a fatty, and I apologize to people, but... I went back and had like four or five of those like per day. Like when I was like sitting there typing my article about how Brooks Kepka is so great, I was like, dude, I need a Muddy's Cupcake. So I'd go get my Muddy's Cupcake. Or also you cannot leave out Mem Pops while you're in the city of Memphis. Like Mem Pops, perfect oh, on that's, a hot that's good stuff. That's like good. What, what else is an underrated thing in Memphis? Like I'm trying to mm. – like that's um, – Blue City man, you, were the one that, you were the one that turned me on to Brother Junipers, and that was some fire. Oh, I'm actually going to talk a little uh, private school, high school football. Is that is that how that you say that? Like in Tennessee, the state of Tennessee is the private school, high school football, or is it? Um, yeah, I think that's. Yeah, it. I think that's that's right. Yeah. So who who jumps out to you? I know Briarcrest down here does to me. Uh, of course, your school was it JCS? Is that where, yeah, that's where you went. Yeah. I always get them. that between that and USJ. I get those two mixed up all the time. But you went to JCS. What do you know about JCS this year? And I know that um, they've got a couple people coming back that were mentioned in the Jackson Suns top players to look for. Um, I know, I think his name is Will Cisco, if I remember right. I think he's he's one to look out for. And then um, I know Caden Clark. Caden Clark, excuse me, I said that too fast. Their quarterback is um, coming back this year, and he's definitely one to watch. He was out last season with an injury, but trying to make a comeback this year. So I think he's definitely one to watch. And then um, just overall, I think that they're going to be kind of a program on the rise right now um, with uh, with Coach Palmer. I know they had um, a little bit of success last year, but really trying to go that extra mile this season. I know they play, um, let's see, their first game is week one at FACS. That'll be good. That's right there in Memphis for you, Mitchell. Shout um, out. But um, they've actually tonight – they have their jamboree against the Humboldt Vikings. So Humboldt's always uh, pretty solid. So I think that'll be a good matchup for uh, for my hometown boys. But um, another one that we're looking at as far as players, Owen Hughes named a top returning player on defense in the Jackson Sun down there in West Tennessee. So that's really one to look out for. Um, and then Seth Snyder as well, um, one of their quarterbacks. I'm really looking for him to have a big year. Um, and then Colton Nash, um, or excuse me, actually 
I spoke, I misspoke there. Um, Seth Snyder is uh, about to be an alumnus of Jackson Christian, but Colton Nash, another guy to really look out for for those Eagles, he's going to be a senior this year. He is an offensive lineman, six seven. Um, he has been named to the U.S. national team for defensive tackle. Um, he was one of the top guns at Football U. So, um, got a lot of stuff going on down there in Jackson, especially. I know that WBBJ covered this, the the new entrance down there at Jackson Christian. Mitch, if you happen to get over there for any games, you need to check it out. The Ryder Lewis entrance, I know, is a big focal point for um, for the Eagles this year. Ryder Lewis, um, I don't know if anyone listening to this is aware, a very tragic accident a couple years ago now as he um, had a boating accident with his family. Um, he was, you know, 13 or 14, whenever it happened. Um, he would have turned 15 a few days ago, actually. But um, he was number 14 for the Eagles. So now if you go on the field, uh, Ronnie Fowler Stadium at, what is it? Southern Capitol Field, I believe. Um, you will see the 14 yard lines painted around the white. It's got blue to honor Ryder. And then the new entrance that they're putting up, the Ryder Lewis entrance. So it's going to be a really nice uh, walkway there into the stadium at Jackson Christian and a lot of talent on the field as well. So, like I said, Owen Hughes, um, a big standout on defense. And then Caden Clark, a couple of big names to watch out for. So. If you had to pick the one team that is throughout all the divisions, throughout all the you know regions and all that, who is the one team that is the hands-down best team in the state of Tennessee? Oh, right now, Knoxville Catholic, no doubt in my mind. Really? So you think they would go up against Whitehaven and beat them? Yes. Really? I like, I like, your, uh, I like your enthusiasm for your Knox Catholic boys. I would go Whitehaven. Uh, I love what the Tigers are doing down there. I love what the coaching staff is doing. I just think Whitehaven, I mean, you look at the overall roster from A to Z, man, they are D1 product. They are like D1 products. I mean, you look at some of the guys who've gone on to play at Bama, Tennessee, Kentucky. I mean, all, all across, man, they're, they are top to bottom, in my opinion, the best. Mitch, have you seen the size of Brian Tucker, the Clemson commit at Catholic? And then with that, Cooper Mays, who's going to Tennessee. Because they not. are very, very large individuals and I think will manhandle um, some of the teams that they play this season. They're actually switching divisions, going from Division One to Division Two, So that'll be a little bit of a change as they play teams like uh, Brentwood Academy. Um, I know they will face uh, Innsworth, I believe, in Nashville. So, Which, by the way, speaking of Brentwood, Whitehaven travels to Brentwood in like week four or five of the season, I think. And I think you and I have talked about meeting up and going to that game up there in Nashville. Yeah, I think uh, I think that would be a good one. I'll obviously still have to, to check my schedule for that, but that would definitely be a good matchup to be at. September 13th, man. Well, hey, any final takes before we wrap up? I know next week we're going to have a lot more because I know Ole Miss is going to continue to run their mouth. Which, I mean, which is hilarious because, like, Memphis has not said anything. And, like, Ole Miss is over here going, oh, yeah, Memphis is nothing. And, you know, so hopefully we'll have some more uh, – hopefully we'll have some more trash talk from the Rebels. I might even try to get some of those audio clips and uh, play those back for you to listen to because I it, it's, it's going to be fun, especially for, you know, 11 a.m. kickoff on August 31st in Memphis. And 
you and I both know that is like going through the pits of hell. Oh, no doubt in my mind. But, um, yeah, going off that, I mean, um, you know, you asked if I had any final thoughts. I'm calling it right now. Uh, Knox Catholic is bringing home another state championship. I am booking it right this very moment, and I've called it before, and I'm doing it again because they're just too talented to not um, bring another gold ball back to um, West Knoxville. So I'm really looking forward to watching them this season. I know they've got a big matchup against Brentwood that's going to be on ESPN2, or Brentwood Academy, excuse me. Um, that'll be really exciting to, to see this season, to see some of those big stars around this state uh, face off. And then, again, just you know, talking about um, – being a proud alumnus, I guess, I think you can look look for a lot from Jackson Christian this season. And, man, football season is officially here. I'm about to leave here in a few minutes to go to the Jamboree over at Neyland Stadium for um, a few teams in the area. And then next week it gets real. So I am more than excited, and I know you are too. Man, this is my final take, and this is two weeks before the season starts. I'm going to go to the college scene. Memphis will represent the Power Six in a New Year's Six Bowl, Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas. Bring it on, baby. Mm. The Tigers are going to the Cotton Bowl. I can I can feel the sweet cotton on my hands right now. Tigers, New Year's Six Bowl, hands down, they'll win 10 games, 11 games this season. I like the Tigers to do it. I like the Tigers to claim their first ever American Athletic Championship and – also gets a host that championship game because the last two seasons it's been at UCF. We've fallen short of the UCF Knights, or well, used to be Golden Knights. So I get mad at you when you say Golden Knights. So UCF Knights. I like the Tigers to go to a New Year's Six Bowl at the end of the season. Jake Nichols, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and find all your amazing, great work. Man, go follow me at jnichols underscore two one two one. Be sure and also. Um, follow me over at YHSS underscore um, the underscore mag um, over on Instagram for your high school sports. Be sure and follow that on Twitter as well. We've got a lot of good stuff coming up this season for high school sports around East Tennessee, but also expanding into the North Carolina area, talking to Navy Schuler, the son of Tennessee great Heath Schuler, maybe even going down into Georgia. Um, and then maybe even Florida. We've got a couple contacts down in the Sunshine State that we're talking to as well. So a lot of exciting stuff going on over there. So be sure and keep up for all the high school football content. And again, follow me, Nichols underscore 2121 on Twitter and Instagram. So that's he's, my, he's my co-host, Jake Nichols. I'm the other co-host, Mitch Davis, on the other great side of the state, Memphis side of the state. Follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight, or go like my Facebook page at the Mitch Davis Show. You can find all my work at TigerSportsReport.com. It's the rival site for Memphis. So, Jake, thanks so much, man. Enjoy your high school football tonight, and I will holler at you like probably within the next day or two when I send you pictures of my barbecue. And and I will be six hours away drooling. So thank you in advance. Oh man, you're so welcome, man.